Hello, I'm Frank Turner. Welcome to Tales from No Man's Land, a podcast that accompanies my album, No Man's Land. It's about 13 women from history who you probably haven't heard of, but definitely should have. Their stories are fascinating, moving, funny, and most importantly, worth celebrating and sharing. Welcome back to Tales from No Man's Land. Ha! I fooled you. I told you that it was the last episode last time around, but we have a bonus episode, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty self-explanatory, but just to set the scene, earlier this summer I headed down to the wonderful Latitude Festival to record a live podcast episode and Q&A with the audience there. So the episode features me playing some of the songs from the record, talking about them, and then, of course, answering questions from the audience. So this is Tales from No Man's Land, live from Latitude Festival 2019. Good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for coming along. I've never recorded a podcast show in front of an audience before. So thank you very much for coming along. How are you this afternoon? I'm going to play a few songs. We're going to talk about the podcast, and hopefully we will all be happy and enlightened by this process. The first song I'm going to play, I will talk about afterwards, because I thought it would be cool and dramatic to start with the song. And then I realised I had to tune my guitar. So uh, this hasn't gone quite as smoothly as I was hoping. Can you guys hear the guitar? Let's give this a try. If you're heading down to Camden Town, be sure to raise a toast to the patron saint of the wastes and strays, to Ginny Bingham's ghost. Once she was a fresh-faced lass from Kentish Town she came Her people, they were peddlers, Ginny Bingham was her name And with her husband Gypsy George, a Camden coach house they did keep Till they hung him by his neck from Tyburn Tree for stealing sheep It broke her heart to lose her love when she was just a child So a man named Darby took the hand of Ginny Meek And mild he was a drinker, not a thinker Daily brought his wife to tears until one Camden winter morning Darby simply disappeared If you're heading down to Camden Town, be sure to raise a toast to the patron saint of the waste and strays, Ginny Bingham's ghost. She earned a reputation on those bitter Camden streets. If you tarry with the Bingham girl, you'd hold your manhood cheap. Even so, the miser pitcher was the third man on her lips. Till one night they checked her oven and found him burned up to a crisp. They tried her for his murder, thought they'd finally cooked her goose. But even when the fourth man died, did he somehow slip the noose? He was a fugitive from justice. For love, she took him in. But they beat her once too often, and the poison did him in. If you're heading down to Camden Town, be sure to raise. A toast to the patron saint of the waste and strays to Ginny Bingham's ghost. The locals didn't like her, forces followed her around. They called her wicked woman, sorceress of some renown. They swore upon the gravestones of her husband, she'd grown rich. The rival and the righteous, they knew she was a witch. But the reason she was hated was a simple one indeed. She had kindness for the careless, took in those in need. The guilty and the gamblers, the harlots and the whores, all knew that Ginny offered sanctuary at her bar. No judgment for the judge, and you could never fall too far. On the day she died, they swore they saw the devil by her side. 
A mob broke down her door and from her chair her body pried. The tavern is still standing, it's now called the underworld, and it still offers sanctuary to all broken boys and girls. So let's turn down to Camden Town and folks, let's raise a toast to the patron saint of the waste and strange Ginny Bingham's ghost. There it is. Thank you very much. So welcome, everybody, to Tales from No Man's Land. It's an album called No Man's Land. It's a podcast called Tales from No Man's Land. There was already a podcast called No Man's Land, so we had to change the title, which was slightly irritating, but there it is. Um, and it's a history record. It's a storytelling record that I stumbled into. I actually wrote this whole record before I wrote the album Be More Kind. I was working on uh, songs, and then the world went crazy in 2016. Don't know if you remember hasn't stopped uh, and I felt like I needed to respond to that so I wrote Be More Kind did Be More Kind that went well very pleased with that and now we're back to plan A but the thing was I wrote two records about kind of breakups and heartbreak and all that kind of thing in a row and I just sort of felt to myself that both I and possibly my audience was bored of me moaning about my personal life and then it might be an idea to talk about something else. And songwriting is a broad church. You can talk about things other than yourself. You can inhabit other viewpoints and characters and that kind of thing. And I thought I'd try and experiment with that. And um, I was just looking for different things to write about. That song I played just there is called Ginny Bingham's Ghost. Now, here's the thing. I didn't actually sit down and set out to write a record about women from the historical record. I wanted to tell cool stories that people didn't already know. And a big part of the motivation for this is that I read history all the time. And whenever I'm at parties, I tend to try and tell my friends about the exciting things that I've read recently. And they start backing away, <laughs> looking for the exit. Um, and I thought if I could channel that instinct into songwriting, that would save my social life. And one of my favorite places in the world is Camden Town in North London. When I was a kid, I grew up in Winchester and I went to Camden and I got, yeah, there we go, someone from Winchester. I can, I can smell my own. Um, uh, I, I got to Camden and immediately felt like I'd, I'd come home. Do you know what I mean? I'd found the place I was supposed to be. So, and I wanted to write a song about Camden and just kind of writing a song that goes, Camden's brilliant, seemed a bit kind of boring to me. So um, uh, there's a bar there called The World's End. Does anyone know The World's End? Yeah, above the underworld. And the, that bar is on the site of a coaching house that was called The Old Mother Redcap. That was a uh, legend has it, and it is slightly debatable whether it's legend or history, was a coaching house opened by a woman called Ginny Bingham in the 17th century. And um, when she was a younger woman, uh, her first husband, as the song says, was hung for stealing sheep at Tyburn. She had a series of other husbands. She ran an independent business as an independent woman in the 17th century. It was extremely unusual. Quite a few of her husbands met sticky ends. Um, one of them, apparently, they found his body in the oven, burned, and they tried her for it, and her excuse, which was accepted by the jury, was that he was terrified of her beatings, and he was hiding <laughs> in the oven. And, and it worked. She got away with it. But by the end of her life, she was, um, she was kind of a pariah in the area. She wasn't kind of accepted by the local community. And uh, she was accused of witchcraft, as elderly and uh, independent women often were in that period of time. But the thing that occurred to me is that the coaching house had a reputation for looking after ne'er-do-wells and outlaws and that kind of thing. And that struck me as being what Camden's like now. So uh, I wrote her a song. Um, so that was the first song. That's the first song on the album. That's the first song I wanted to play today. And it kind of sets the tone. I didn't, like I say, I wanted to tell unknown stories about people who I think were really cool. Um, in the process, I ended up writing a record that's all about female historical figures. <laughs> 
and we will talk about the politics implicit in that in a little bit. But for now, I want to play you another song, if that's okay. Um, I'm kind of enjoying playing the songs first and then talking about them after. Is that all right with you guys? Yeah. This is a song. This song features a bona fide guitar solo. I've been known to not nail this in a live context. So when the solo comes around, if you guys cheer, that will not only encourage me, but it will also possibly drown out the sound of a less than perfect guitar solo. So this song is called The Death of Dora Hand. Dora Hand was a singer in the New York Operetta, born into Boston of money and Paris train. Dressed in black, she was a classic beauty Cursed with constitution sickly She ventured west to breathe the fresh air on the plains Ended up down in Dodge City Was a cow town, dry and ugly She hid her past, took Fanny Keenan for her name Took the stage as a vaudeville singer With the Lady Gay and the Alhambra The cowboys loved her and she quickly rose to fame Sing a song, boys, for Dorhan She brought her little beauty to this hard and barren land Doff your caps, boys, though saved a damn For Dorhan Now to the Dodge folks, she was an angel they called her Lady Bountiful by day And Queen of Fairy Bells by night She was bringing in good money She gave plenty to the needy She sure could sing But she sure knew her wrong from right Now lovely Dora She took the fancy of that mayor James Dog Kelly Like many a man before him He was her to save that dead door is a beautiful creature She brings men a strange nostalgia Dreams of finer things and better days Sing a song, boys, for Dorhan She brought her little beauty to this hard and barren land Dream a dream, boys, of a promised land Dorhan Well now young Spike Kennedy came out from Texas on a rolling black thunder cloud He was a whooping and a whoring and a drowning in a whiskey like a one-man bad luck crowd And one night he saw Dora singing at the Alhambra and he tried to slip the lady a kiss Doc Kelly got angry and he knocked him on his belly with one flick of his Kansas wrist Well now Spike he got mad, he was looking out for blood, he was raging like the devil's stepson he brought her to the cabin which a mayor used for napping on a horse with a loaded six gun He fired in the dark but he didn't make his mark when the bullet passed through that wall Kelly wasn't in his bed lying there and instead Dorham was killed I'm giving myself six out of ten for that one. 
Now the marshals they raised a posse And they caught up with young Spike Kennedy His daddy bought him free Even though he confessed Old Dodge City went for Dora Every bar closed as they buried her Four hundred cowboys rode her to her rest Sing along boys with the funeral band We won't see her like again in this hard and barren land Wave her off boys to no man's land Dora hand Adora hand There it is Thank you Thank you very much So that song is about a woman um, called Dora Hand, uh, who, and as hopefully you've understood from listening to the words, she was born on the East Coast into a rich family. She travelled to Dodge City, which was a cow town's heart of the Wild West, this famous drinking gambling den, and became known as a very well-loved vaudeville singer under the name Fanny Keenan. And then she was killed in this crazy love triangle where she was dating the mayor, who was called James Dog Kelly, and then a cowboy from Texas who was, and I love this expression, a trust fund cowboy. His dad was a very well wealthy Texas cattle baron. He made a pass at her. Dog Kelly punched him out. He went to try and kill Dog Kelly, but killed her by mistake. Um, uh, and then ran away. The whole thing was premeditated. He had a racehorse waiting for him. And he ran away, and he got caught up with, funnily enough, by Wyatt Earp, of all people, um, who shot him in the arm. And then when Spike Candy found out that he'd actually killed the object of his affection rather than his rival, he broke down in tears and said, you should have aimed better. But then, in the end, his dad brought up from Texas and bought him out of trouble, and he just disappears into history, never got punished for the crime. So I was reading a book about the Old West because I'm kind of obsessed with it, and I found this story, and originally it was a couple of paragraphs in a book by a writer called D. Brown, and um, I read the paragraphs and went, hold the phone? (laughs) I need to know more about this? You can't just write two paragraphs about a story like that. And I couldn't quite believe that nobody had written a song about this before. So that was the song that I decided to write, and you know, the opportunity's there. So it's another story about women from history. Um, it's an interesting thing simply because the song is quite a lot of it told through kind of a, quite a male perspective, the chorus of singer-song boys. And one of the problems that I encountered in writing about this stuff is that there's very, very little documentation. She's actually one of the only female uh, performers from the Old West whose name that we know, let alone anything else. And we're not even 100% sure that she was called Dora Hand. That's what it said after she died. So it is unfortunately a story I have to tell in that kind of way. But the point is that she was this vibrant character who has survived in the historical record. And I think that that's something that is a story worth telling and sharing for all of us to talk about and celebrate. So let's hear it for Dora Hand. Hey. Um. So about halfway through writing the record, I've realized I'd stumbled upon that thing I promised I'd never do, a concept album. Um, and I started kind of looking around for other stories to tell. And I wanted to tell some more kind of... Um, problematic stories as well. I didn't want it to be a purely laudatory exercise. I wanted there to be some, some, some darker shades in there as well. So this is a w- song um, about a woman called Nanny Doss, who was from uh, Alabama and Florida in, in the kind of early post-war period. And I'll tell you more about her afterwards, but for the time being, the song is called The Perfect Wife. I don't think I've ever played this live in the UK before as well, so uh, wish me luck. 
I made Charlie when I was 15, but I didn't love him and he didn't love me. Frank was sweet, sent me poetry, but it wasn't the same as it was on TV. A lonely widow with no place to go For a time I settled on the Florida coast Rick and Ollie, they had to go And join the rest of my family's ghosts And oh, oh, oh I haven't been a perfect wife I'm a lonely heart Looking for the real romance of my life Nanny Doss was a serial killer who murdered five husbands and their attendant families. Now Sam was a hard man with a real mean streak, said women don't need romance magazines. But I showed him with that last coffee and now they can do anything they like with me. Oh, 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 I haven't been a perfect wife. I'm a lonely heart looking for the real romance in my life. Take it easy, don't worry, I'll be fine in here So I'll find my perfect mate, yet my conscience is clear That last section is a direct quote of what she said when she was sentenced to life in prison Didn't do it for the money, truth, I was bored Nobody writes to me anymore I got cigarettes and prison walls To keep me company till I meet the Lord And Lord knows that, oh, oh, oh I haven't been a perfect wife I'm a lonely heart Looking for the real romance in my life And oh, oh, oh I haven't been a perfect wife I'm a lonely heart Looking for the real romance of my life Take it easy, don't worry I'll be fine in here There it is. Thank you very much. So like I said, I didn't want to write a one-dimensional record that was just saying, look at these people, they're all amazing. Uh, so I disappeared down a rabbit hole called Female Serial Killers on Wikipedia. <laughs> and if you want to waste several days of your life, be my guest. Um, but it was an interesting moment as well, talking about it as a writer, because the thing is, you can't just write a song about X, you know, about any individual name that gets given to you. You have to find an angle into it. And once I realized I had a concept and I was trying to tell these stories, I, I asked some of my intelligent friends and well-read friends to suggest subjects uh, for me to write about. And I got this huge list of people, you know, amazing, fascinating, interesting stories. And there were so many that were kind of these terribly worthy people who'd lived exemplary lives and made a huge difference to the world around them and that we should celebrate and remember. But some of them lived quite Victorian, boring lives, and it was difficult to find what to say about them. The one that really bothers me, there's a, a German aviator called Amelia Erhardt. Has anyone heard of that? Yeah. First woman to fly across the Atlantic. She was gay. She was a cross-dresser. She died in the desert. No one knows where she's buried. It's a great story, and I couldn't find my in of how to write about it. So there were some... Uh, that I didn't get around to, and I apologize. People have already started asking if we're going to do a volume two of this, and the answer to that is, God damn it, give me a minute. 
Okay, I reckon we can do another two songs and then we'll and then we'll move on to questions. Is that okay with you guys? Yeah. Do you have questions brewing? <laughs> good, good. Um, so one of the people that I wrote about who was a more kind of obvious uh, feminist icon, I suppose might be the word, although it was one that I hadn't heard of. It was a woman called Huda Sha'arawi. Uh, Huda Sha'arawi was a woman who was born into a kind of wealthy Egyptian family at the end of the 19th century, and she was raised in the harem. And that's a word that it's kind of as bad as it sounds and, and also slightly different, but it's essentially a kind of a cloistered uh, woman's environment in which she was kind of ignored, essentially, because she was about the fourth or fifth husband for, uh, sorry, wife for her husband, who was an elderly relative of hers, and it was an arranged marriage. But the First World War basically meant that she just got left her own devices, during which time she taught herself to read, she taught herself languages, poetry, political philosophy, all this kind of thing. And in the post-First World War period, she got involved in the feminist movement in Europe. And in 1923, she arrived at Cairo Station on a return from Zurich in Switzerland, where she'd been to the conference, and she famously ripped off her face veil which she was forced to wear at Cairo Station and announced that she wasn't going to wear her face veil anymore because she didn't think women should have to do that and Huda Shalari was a devout Muslim and she'd found a kind of liberation feminist theology within her own understanding of her own religion which I think is fascinating and to this day women in Egypt do not wear the full face veil and it's because of that moment in 1923 and I think that's kind of great so I wanted to write a song for her so her nickname was The Lioness and this song is called The Lioness Said that times are hard for honest men But she didn't give a damn Cause she wasn't one of them I don't mean to imply that she ever told a lie She was raised in the harm and told to keep quiet She isn't gonna hide her face Young set aside, who'd have always been bright. She wasn't one to hide. She taught herself languages and poetry. She taught herself to speak so she could set herself free. Look on her work, see mighty men. They opened up the harm, they can't close it up again. She stepped off a legend, let herself fall free. Stepped off a training into history. She isn't gonna hide her face anymore. Uncovered, showing what she overcame. Huda is a lioness, she won't be tamed. She isn't gonna hide her face anymore. No! 
Cheers. Thank you very much. So, as I mentioned, we've been making a podcast to go along with the album, because the thing about writing a three-and-a-half-minute song about somebody's life is that's all very well, but we're trying to do justice to these people. You can get a little further into the weeds, you know what I mean, and into the details. And it's been such a fun thing. I've never hosted a podcast before. I've been on the receiving end of loads of them. I've got a newfound respect for people who actually drive these things now. And we've had some amazing guests on them, and I've learned so much about it. But the episode about that last song, we found out that Sania Sha'arawi, who is Huda's granddaughter, is in current, alive, today, Egyptian feminist. And we managed to get her on the phone and talk to her. And it was so cool because she told me tons of stuff I didn't know. And she also had no idea who I was or what on earth <laughs> the kind of music I make is or any of the bands that I like or anything. But she was just stoked that someone had written an indie rock song about her grandmother. <laughs> One of the great things about the podcast is I've been learning more and indeed finding out that I'm wrong, at which point I have to plead artistic license, obviously. <laughs> For example, the song about Dora Hand I played, at the end I talk about her funeral being this huge event where they closed all the bars and all these cowboys followed her cortege and all this kind of thing. I read that in a book somewhere. Um, the curator of Boot Hill Museum in Dodge City told me it's not true, or at least we don't know anything about her funeral, so who knows. And uh, I think it's glorious to discover afterwards. It kind of makes me want to go and re-record the song. But I'm going I'm to finish by playing one more song, and then we'll do Q&A. Is everyone braced and ready for a Q&A session? Okay, all right. So the last song I'm going to play, I'm wearing her on my T-shirt. The song has been out as a single. It's about a woman called Sister Rosetta Tharp. Do we know Sister Rosetta Tharp? Yeah, she's, she's one of the more famous people on the record, and I'm pleased to say that uh, because she deserves to be. She was born in Arkansas in 1918. She was an African-American gospel artist who started playing guitar, which was very unusual, and then electric guitar, which is even more unusual. And in 1938, she released a single called Rock Me that is the first use of the word rock with regard to music. Alan Freed be damned. She was very successful uh, in the late 1930s and during the 1940s. In the early 1950s, she got married at a stadium show, uh, which was the first time a woman of any color had headlined a stadium in the history of the United States, so that's pretty cool. And it was her wedding, and she booked the show before she had a groom, which I think is pretty great. Um, just went in, you know, just hanging out in bars, being like, hey, you want to get married in a stadium? Um, and then in 1956, white men started playing the same kind of music, and she got immediately kind of ditched by the record company and written out of history. And um, as a white man myself, I think it's important for me to acknowledge the blueprints that I follow. And th there's more linkage as well, because in, in a weird coda to her story, in 1964, she was asked to do a tour in England by kind of blues and folk aficionados, a tour of abandoned train platforms. There is video footage online, and it's hilarious because there's these utterly, utterly dorky, nerdy English white kids with notebooks. And she's rocking out. Um, but those kids included people like Eric Clapton and Keith Richards. So a lot of her guitar playing survives because of that. And I think she deserves to be recognized more than she is. So this is a song for Sister Rosetta Tharp. As I mentioned earlier, I wrote the song in about 2015 or so, at which time Sister Rosetta Tharp was not recognized in the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I thought that was an injustice. And the end of the song was written to be a clarion call, almost like an audio petition, a musical petition to get her recognized in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In between 2015 and releasing the album now, she has been recognized in the Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. This is, and it's nothing to do with me, this is excellent news for her. And slightly annoying for me because I had to change the lyrics. But in, on balance, who gives a toss about me? It's all about Sister Rosetta Tharp. Uh, this song is called Sister Rosetta and it goes like this. 
sister Rosetta Godmother of rock and roll The original sister of soul All her music was in her She brought rhythm From the darkness into the light She brought the good word to the night To save all our sinners Rosetta rolled her eyes when she played She knew that strange things happen every day And that the white boy hype would eventually fade But the way that she played would remain New York City It was 1938 The radio couldn't wait for Rosetta to rock it Instant sensation And little Elvis, Chuck and Johnny at home Heard her on the gramophone And they wouldn't forget it Rosetta rolled her eyes when she played She knew that strange things happen every day And that the white boy hype would eventually fade But the way that she played would remain Rosetta's in the Hall of Fame Don't let her be forgotten In a church in Arkansas Remember her teaching the Cotton Club The glory of the Lord Don't let her be forgotten Rosetta deserves more Remember her teaching a nation on a train platform in England in 1964. Sister Rosetta, she saw the bright lights fade away. She saw out the last of her days in the suburbs of Philly, down by the river. She still heard music in the air Up above her head and everywhere On a train bound for glory Rosetta rolled her eyes when she played She knew that strange things happen every day And that the white boy hype would eventually fade But the way that she played would remain Rosetta rolled her eyes when she played She knew that strange things happen every day And that the white boy hype would eventually fade But the way that she played would remain Rosetta's in the Hall of Fame Rosetta's in the Hall of Fame Rosetta's in the Hall of Fame There it is. Thank you. Cheers. So now it's your your turn to grill me. We've got my friend Clara. Clara, are you running the microphone? There we go. Clara's running the microphone. If you have a question, we have a question right here. If you could tell us your name and where you're from and then ask a question, that would be super. Okay, I'm Rob. I'm from North London. Hi. The question is, and it might be a difficult one, I'm not sure, but of all the historical women you're writing about in this album, who's your favourite? 
Oh, that's a tough question. Uh, I mean, it's a difficult thing because, like, I don't want to get into a place where I feel like I know these people. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it's definitely, it's it's it is, it's out of remove, and it's definitely not Nanny Doss because she was a serial killer. Um, uh, I read a book about a woman called Nika Rothschild, who's a, a daughter of that family, who um, kind of ditched her family and her money and everything to look after jazz musicians in Harlem in the 1950s. She was known as the only white woman in Harlem. She also fought for the Free French in the Second World War. She was just this unbelievable character and she had this one liner which I put in the song which is throw your heart over the fence and the rest will follow and I just kind of feel like she was awesome so I mean she's contender I mean the other thing is the album finishes with a song about my mum who is not a historical figure yet there is time the thing is the song's quite heavy in terms of talking about my childhood and and the things that happened Um, I mean it's celebratory of my mum because she's amazing so instead of talking about the song she's going to review the album and I sent her a copy of the finished thing. It was amazing. Like I sent her a digital copy and she didn't know how to open it, so had to find a CD. She keeps texting me questions, like just little details. Yeah, I suppose I'm duty-bound to say my mum is the favourite person I wrote about on the record. So there we go. Hello. Hi. Um, my name's Nicole. I'm from Sheffield. Hi. Um, I love this. I love. The, I love you. I love the idea of the whole <laughs> um, concept. What you're doing. Um, I'm ashamed that I haven't listened to any of the podcasts yet. It's okay. There's time. I'm definitely going to go home and, and catch okay. up. 100. Awesome. Um, my question is: Does it come with a reading list, or are you going to provide us with Ooh, any kind of reading yeah. material? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I so initially I wasn't really thinking about a podcast at first, but I, I feel like the songs need cliff notes. Do you know what I mean? At the very least. Uh, particularly because a lot of it's kind of direct quotation. Like, again, in the story, story of Dora Han, there's a line which I was singing earlier where it says, At their door is a beautiful creature. She brings men a strange nostalgia, dreams of finer things about days. So that's a direct quote of what James Dog Kelly said about her that I managed to make rhyme by moving it around a little bit. So, you know, I, I wanted to explain all this, and I was like, are we going to put out a record with the biggest line of notes in history? Um, but people don't buy physical records as much as they used to. I have been putting out on uh, social media lists of links and that kind of thing. I'm planning on gathering them all together and having a special page on the website where you can go and check that kind of thing out. The other thing to say is that with some of these people, there's not masses to read. Uh, with Dora Hand, there are no books about Dora Hand. I actually discovered this after the podcast, and it's been a great thing about it. Somebody tweeted this at me. There is somebody wrote a kind of... Uh, a sort of fictional story novella written from her point of view but there's no full on historical books there is a grand title of one book about Sister Rosetta do you know what I mean so it's like there's not masses to refer to but I will put all the sources I can on the website thank you very much thank you I also by the way I'm now going to get on with doing that hi hello Hi, I'm, I'm Kirsten, actually from Camden, so I'm delighted. Oh, very nice. Um, and uh, I'm not massively familiar with your work, but I'm going to get really familiar now because this okay. is incredible, and I oh, think you. you were amazing. These um, are the only historical songs about women I've written to date. Uh, so <laughs> I will listen to all of them and more. Okay, probably. fantastic. Um, I was just going to say, lots of men, very sadly, s- struggle to identify as feminists sometimes. Sure. So looking at your past, can you really identify when or maybe what event made you start to go, actually, I need to be a feminist, I need to be an outspoken and sort of say this yeah. is who I am? Sure. I mean, well, the first thing to say in response to that is that I have been a bit cautious about using the word feminist around the record for the reasons that I was saying before in that what I'm trying not to do is kind of stand in front of the crowd going, look at me, I'm the hero. You know, I do a lot of work in the States with a group called the Ally Coalition. I think that's a great word for it. Do you know what I mean? My role as a man in this conversation is to use 
use the platform I have for constructive conversations and try and, you know, we try and take out uh, women on tour and sort of the festival I book, we try and have 50-50 on the bill. We haven't been 100% successful on that to date, but we're working on it and that kind of thing. So my hesitance isn't because I don't support the cause, it's because I'm trying not to sound like a doofus. There was a PC word for you. Um, as the song about my mum kind of goes into... My father was pretty absent when I was a kid, and I have two sisters, and I was raised in a pretty female household. Then when I was a teenager, I got a scholarship to an all-male boarding school, which was an extremely traumatic experience for me, not least because, from memory, I didn't really understand what was going on when I got dropped off there for the first time. And I have a memory of my parents driving away and me going, wait, what? Um, and uh, I don't want to get too over-egged on this, but I kind of hated it there because of the sort of testosterone and there's a lot of, sort of class issues around it as well, obviously. And my response to that was to dive headfirst into extreme anarchism. Um, and I'm not sure I'm still quite as knee-deep in, ex in extreme anarchism as I once was. Um, I tend to walk past McDonald's rather than trying to smash them up these days. But... Um, you know, I think that was my kind of my immersion in that kind of politics and that kind of world. Um, one of my favorite T-shirts I had when a kid said smash patriarchy and it was awesome. And I wore it all the time um, at my all-male boarding school, which went down interestingly. Um, uh, but um, uh, it's now too small for me as well. It's really depressing. I'm 37. I can't wear T-shirts I wore when I was 17 anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I hope that answers the question. Hi. I'm Grace. I'm from Hampshire. Oh, where in Hampshire are you from? Farnborough. Farnborough. Nice. Hi, Grace. If you could meet one of the people you've written about, who would it be? Oh, that's a great question. Nika Rothschild, the one I mentioned earlier, kind of springs to mind because one of the other stories about her that I love is that she used to drive a Bentley around Harlem and she apparently always carried a Bible on her and she'd cut out the pages and put a whiskey hip flask inside it instead. Uh, but if she got stopped by the police, she'd just be like, oh, it's a Bible. Um, and they would generally be so confused that she was white and female and in Harlem that they'd just kind of go, okay, what? So she sounds like she would have been a, a lot of fun to hang out with, I think. But, I mean, a, a lot of the figures, I mean, Ginny Bingham sounds like she would have been fun to hang out with as well, as long as I wasn't trying to marry her. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's a good question, though. Thank you all so much for coming down and listening. I'm going to finish with the song. Because... It, because uh, Because it's the middle of July, I thought I'd finish with a Christmas song. And yes, I wrote a Christmas song. Yeah. Um, there's a place in Southwark in South London called the Crossbones Graveyard that I stumbled across on a history walk and I read the signs outside and couldn't quite believe what I was reading. In the medieval era, uh, Southwark was outside the walls of the city of London. It was a place of theatres and bars and uh, brothels and prisons. Um, and the sex workers there were, technically speaking, employed by the Bishop of Winchester. <laughs> and then when they died, they were buried in an unconsecrated ground in a mass grave called The Graveyard of the Outcast Dead. And among other things, you can't not write a song about The Graveyard of the Outcast Dead. That phrase is begs for a song, as far as I'm concerned. But um, it was uh, rediscovered. It was built over. It was rediscovered when they extended the Jubilee line. Um, a guy called John Constable led a, a, a drive to make it into a memorial garden, which it now is, and you can go and visit it. And on the 23rd of every month, John leads a vigil outside the graveyard, and I heartily encourage you all to go and visit. Um, and when I'm not on tour, I will be there. I wrote a song about The Graveyard of the Outcast Dead, and it's called The Graveyard of the outcast head. <laughs> they buried my body on Christmas In the ground by the South River Bank Worked to my death 
my very last breath I had the Winchester bishops to thank Now the church held the keys to the brothel Lit the window with a burning red light While I teased the funds from the pockets of John's The bishop got rich in the night didn't fall apart through my years in the dark For my lover I guarded my pure, pure heart And he meets me in the graveyard The graveyard where they made my bed Plants a wine flower under cold stars On the graves of the forgotten dead Now the bishops snuck off to fresh pastures well, my grave was grown over with weeds No burial plots, just some forget-me-nots For the women they branded unclean The wasteland was claimed by the city They covered it with tenement slums For where we'd been left had never been blessed And they dug down and built on our bones Every December with frost on his fingers My lover returns but he still remembers To meet me in the graveyard The graveyard where they made my bed Plants a white flower under cold stars On the graves of the forgotten dead sun goes down and the last folk leave It's London town on Christmas Eve My lover still wanders bereft and bereaved For he can't find the woman that he promised he'd meet The sun comes up on the cold, cold ground It's Christmas morning in London town He lays on my grave and he cradles his head He hears the church bells, he knows that I'm dead So London Southwark streets, we outlasted the priests, and the cities raised up on our beds. Though we gone, London, do not forget to meet us on Christmas in the graveyard where they made our bed. Plant a white flower for the outcasts on the graves of the forgotten dead. Won't you meet us on Christmas in the In the graveyard of the outcast dead. Thank you very much, everybody. Enjoy your festival. There it was, friends, Tales from No Man's Land live at Latitude Festival. I'd like to thank the technical team for being involved in setting that up and indeed everybody in the audience for asking such intelligent questions. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. This really is the wrap-up for Tales from No Man's Land. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you all on the road. 
This episode of Tales from No Man's Land was produced by Hayley Clark. The executive producer was Peggy Sutton. Additional production work was done by Paul Smith, Steve Ackerman, Gully Lawrence Tickle, Josh Gibbs and Charlie Kaplow. Tales from No Man's Land is produced by me, Frank Turner, Extra Recordings and something else. 